Hi everyone, welcome to episode 19 of Books with Jen. This is one that I had such fun recording. I recorded it at the Cheltenham Book Festival, so back in October, but I'd had other podcasts to go up in the meantime. And this is a chat with the wonderful Ayabami Adebayo, who is a Nigerian author, and her first novel, Stay With Me, was shortlisted for the Women's Prize for Fiction a couple of years ago. And it was my favourite of that year's list, and I was rooting for it so much. And we were both at the Cheltenham Book Festival doing different events and we wanted to sit down and have a chat with each other and with you about her book which is about a young woman called Yejidi who is married to a man called Akin. They are struggling to have a child together so Akin's family bring in a second wife that Yejidi isn't told about, she's not consulted about, she is just she's just instructed that this is going to happen. Um, So we wanted to sit down and talk about the process of writing that novel, more more than the process though, more what it's like once a book is written and it's out in the world and the pressure of having to write another book. So we talk about the imagery in her debut novel, the importance of names of African folklore, and then we talk about what happens next. Plus we have quite a bit of a giggle as well. If you would like to see a transcript of this podcast. You can find that in the captions on YouTube because I upload all of the podcasts to YouTube as well. From now onwards, there will always be a transcript of the podcasts as I upload them. Um, One of my 2019 um, New Year's resolutions or goals is to make sure that my content is as accessible to as many people as it possibly can. So all of my videos um, have closed captions as well, so are subtitled. And from now on, the podcasts will as well. Um, This takes a very, very long time to do. Um, YouTube at the moment on doing automated captions. So before it it used to be that I could go in and they would guess what I was saying and then I could amend. Often some of those guesses are a bit silly and outrageous and they're never completely correct, but at least it's easier to edit that than to have nothing. Um, But recently that hasn't been happening. So I've had to transcript all of my videos from scratch and that takes, it takes hours. So, If you would like to help support both my channel and the podcast, you can support me on Patreon, which is basically a website where you can tip your favorite creators and every little helps because um, for these podcasts, sometimes I have to travel to different places in the country um, to interview people and I have to pay for that travel myself and then I spend hours editing and then also um, now hours doing the transcript. So if you do want to support in monetary terms, that would be amazing. If you can't, don't worry about it. I'm just mentioning it in case it's of interest to you. Um, Anyway, let me leave you now and go back to my past self and we can have a chat with Ayabami Arabeo. Um, I believe this interview begins when I ask her about childhood reading and she said it was impossible not to love books growing up in her household. It was just not an option if you grew up in my family because it was just there. Mm. You were getting books as gifts. There were just all these books around you. And I felt like once I developed a taste for books, I, I just couldn't stop. You wanted more? <laughs> yeah. So when did you start writing? Um, I remember when I was nine. So it was my first year of secondary school. And um, it was, of course, very different from primary school. 
and I was I remember I was sitting in the back of the class and instead of sort of paying attention to whatever the teacher was saying I was writing poetry mm-hmm. and I remember this because I got caught and I got punished for it you got punished for writing yeah, poetry yeah because I can't remember what class it was but I wasn't listening at all mm-hmm. I remember I mean there was the poetry and then I remember I wrote this really long play I mean, it, feels, it felt long then. I'm sure it was probably like yeah, no, 1,000 like, 40 words. pages long. I wrote a novel. <laughs> <laughs> we don't get to do that yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's this really long place. I don't know what it was about. But I was so proud of it. <laughs> so with Stay With Me, when did you start writing that? Um, I started writing in... Um, I think it must have been 2011. 2011. If I remember correctly. Mm. It was a year after I finished uni, and I got the idea for it like in my final year of uni. But I felt I wasn't ready to write a novel yet. Mm. So, what was the the idea, the seed? Mm. So the seed was, I mean, it was a number of things, but it was something that I had seen on. Um, so I lost one of my friends um, shortly before then, mm. and I ran into a mother a few days before I started really started thinking about this story and you know it was just there was just this expression on her face mm. that I couldn't get out of my mind for weeks and weeks and then I started thinking about what it must mean to survive a child and you know outlive your child and mm-hmm. what it means to care for a sick child and how complicated your emotions can become about that so the first thing I thought about what it was a scene that never made it into the book. And I remember I read sort of this short story, it's about 2,500 words. And it was just an argument between a couple who were, the wife was leaving because they had the sick children and she just couldn't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it takes place in their living room. They're having this, all of this argument, they're having this discussion. And um, there are people moving the wife's things out of the house. I know it was mostly dialogue and I remember sort of looking at it I thought it was just a short story so but there was something missing I, I didn't know what it was and I kept thinking to myself there's something they're not saying you know mm. and I don't know what that is I mean I'm looking at all this dialogue and I'm like there's something they're not saying there's something else going on in this marriage that they're trying to talk about but they can't talk about mm-hmm. because they're all these people in the room and the minute I figured out what it was, I realized, oh, that's, that's longer interesting. than a short story. <laughs> it's not a short story. <laughs> and what if they can't talk about it even when there's nobody else in the room? Yeah. And I think that was when I knew, oh, this has to be a novel. Mm. Like, that's what it's about. So it started haunting you. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, the yeah. character started following you around. You're like, yeah. yes, I spent a lot of time with this character. Yes, yes. Well, we talk about writing mm. and how we feel a responsibility to um, to the reader and, mm. and everything. Did you feel a responsibility to your characters? I feel like there is a very strong connection between mm. you and your characters in this book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, re- I really did. It was, um, I mean, it felt bizarre and weird. And even when I talk about it, it just sounds a little cookie. Did but... you have an Alice Walker moment? <laughs> did you start talking to them? I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, there were certain parts of the novel, particularly with some of Yuji's experiences, that I really, really didn't want to write. 
because mm -hmm. it was just so difficult. Yeah. But I felt like it almost felt like I would be lying. Mm -hmm. You know, it felt like this is what happened to her, and I have to say it. You know, which was weird because you know you made out, but I really felt yeah, but like she, she comes, was really she real. She comes from truth, and mm. um, whilst we make up characters, mm. they're made up of everything we've ever seen ever. Mm, yeah. So she's like a collage of lots of people you know. Of course. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's not surprising that you want to do justice to mm. her. and I think that I think you did that oh, not that you need my you. validation but oh, I think it's great thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah she feels like she doesn't know who she is because um, her mother had died mm. and it says the point was that when there was no identifiable lineage for a child mm. that child could be descended from anything mm. even dogs witches or strange tribes mm. with bad blood mm. so she longs to have a child mm. to I'm, I'm guessing to experience well you know any anyone might want to mm. long to have a child but she wants to know what it's like to be a mother because mm. she's never witnessed that mm. um and also to have a lineage of her own and see who she actually is yeah is that something that you were very conscious of when you were writing the book yeah i mean i think one of the things that's very critical to a character is that desire mm. that she develops from the time when she's very young, that she wants something that she imagines to be a sort of permanent connection to the person. Um, what is something that roots her? Something that roots her, mm. what she imagines that her mother would have done if her mother had lived. And for her to have a child is, is what's going to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to have this child and then I'm going to be centered around this person mm. in, in some way and that's going to sort of validate me, give me into my life. I'm going to understand myself a little better yeah. um, when I have this in my life and you know it doesn't quite work out. No it doesn't but I think that that's really interesting because I think that a lot of the other women in, in the novel want her to have a child because mm. you're supposed to have a child yeah. when she wants to have a child for actually a very different reason. Mm. Throughout the book though, as we mm. said, things don't go to plan mm. and there are unexpected twists and turns mm. and I did not see those twists and turns coming. I was like, what is she doing to me? <laughs> and we can't talk about it because hashtag spoilers. <laughs> but did you know the direction the book was going to go in when you started or did it surprise you too? There were things, I mean, there were parts of it that I sort of knew from the beginning, mm. but a lot of it was surprising. Mm. Um, it was a journey of discovery, yeah. and which was one of the interesting things about writing it, was that I would think, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow, so that's what's happening, okay. Yeah. Well, also, I think find that inspiring for any uh, writers out there who think that you have to plot everything in mm. advance. You do not. I really, I mean, the, the fascinating thing about Stay With Me to me in terms of some of the reception it's gotten is that people really talk about the plot. I'm like, I couldn't plot to save my life. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't plan it. Um, I have tried to write novels by planning them. It always sort of falls apart. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of astonishing to me that it just sort of came together as if it was very, very tightly plotted, well, which it wasn't. Because that's, that's how it feels. Yeah. I really, I'm like, this woman knows what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I remember the last sort of um, 
major edit I did, yeah. uh, I think that's when I knew, oh, I think I'm actually done with this book, was that I realized I cannot move one chapter because I kept moving things around. Yeah. And then I read it and, and I thought, I can't move any chapter. Everything actually has to be exactly where it is or it doesn't work. I'm like, okay, I think I'm done now. That must have been very satisfying. Can we talk about the voices mm, in the book? Yeah. Because the book is itself a marriage because you have mm. both of their voices mm. in there you have Akin and Yejidi and had you always intended to do that? Mm, yeah right from the beginning um, so the I mean the, the story that became this book was I think in third person but by the time I started thinking of it as a novel I knew I wanted to have both perspectives mm. um, the point of view was kind of hopping the air for a while I was going back and forth between first person, second person, third person. I just was um, playing around with it until I sort of struck mm. what I felt, oh, this really sounds like um, Aki, or I think this is how Yejide would say this. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and is that because you were conscious of wanting them to not say everything they were thinking? Mm. So by having both perspectives, mm. it was a way for you to allow the reader to see what they were thinking, mm. even if they weren't communicating that mm. to each other? I mean, I think both perspectives was because I really did feel that it was their story, mm. and I wanted the two of them to be there, and I felt also that part of their identity is how they tell the story mm -hmm. because it's a story I mean it's a novel about narrative in a sense yeah. because they are telling the story mm -hmm. with intent mm -hmm. um, so from the beginning each person is trying to push a certain narrative about mm -hmm. this is what happened in the marriage this is why I made the decisions I made this is why I did the things I did and I really felt that with both characters the way they choose to talk the things that they withhold, the things they never actually say, mm -hmm. um, say something about who they are, mm -hmm. you know. So I, I wanted to get at that with with the um, with having the two of them in the novel. And I think what you said about narrative mm -hmm. is very interesting. Mm -hmm. So Yejili feels almost that her story has been written for her by mm -hmm. other people mm -hmm. who said, "Your mother was like this, yeah. therefore you are going to be mm -hmm. like this." So she is trying to write a completely different narrative for herself. Um, she talks about um, fairy tales that she wasn't told when she was younger, but yeah. that her stepmothers were telling to their mm. children, and she was excluded from those stories. Mm. She wasn't allowed to hear about the fairy tales and the happy endings. Mm. She had to um, piece those together from little snippets that she mm. heard elsewhere. Um, and it's beautifully meta in that we're reading it hoping she can change her narrative mm. and can she change things but we're reading it in a book mm. that's fixed and we can't change anything for her <laughs> but we would love to and it's, it ties your brain in knots so what fair because i mentioned fairy tales mm. uh, there are a lot of fairy tales in here about fate and mm. um sacrifice mm. and infertility mm. um what are some fairy tales that you grew up with so there's one, the one Yejida tells, which is about a woman who wants to have children and um, she's very successful. So she makes a pact um, with um, a tree in the forest that um, she has one child and she makes a pact with one, a tree in the forest and says, if you give me this, I'm going to give you my child, you know. 
and um, but all along she plans to hide the child, you know. Mm. And this is before her. she has a child, isn't it? Yeah. When she's young, mm. she thinks, yes, I want what I want now. Yeah. I'll give up something later. Yeah. yeah, you know. So that by the time she then has the child, she tells the child, "You must never go to the forest," you know, and all of that. Of course, the child goes into the forest. Children <laughs> always go to the forest. <laughs> and you know, um, so the child disappears, and um, and she's never able to find the child again. And the story is, there's this very interesting stories that you hear about, oh, you know, long time ago, everybody used to be able to communicate. Like trees would talk to people, animals would talk to people. And this is how trees stop talking to people. Or this is how animals stop talking mm. to people. Was that by the time she then goes into the forest to try to look for a child, all the trees don't talk to her. Mm. And then trees don't talk to people anymore. And all of that. So that's one of them. And there are mm. loads of them that, I sort of um, heard from my grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. I love how that kind of takes on a new meaning now as well. Mm. If you told it now, it'd be like, well, we've disrespected nature and climate mm, change. Yeah. And that's why the trees aren't talking yeah, to us anymore. Yeah, you know. Which was not, not what the point was back then. But I like yeah. that. How we can adapt tales to fit whatever. Mm, it's going on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so... It says in here, uh, she's told Yejidi, love is like a test. Mm. Do you feel like she's in, or she feels as if she's in her own fable, mm. that she has to jump through hoops and um, will she get her happily ever after? She wants to be reborn almost, doesn't she? Mm. Renamed, because her name, Yejidi, mm. means image of mm. the mother. Mm. So she is the image of a mother without mm. being a mother. Mm. Um, were you very conscious of the meanings of the names of your characters? Yeah, I mean, it's very important uh, because um, her name in particular, um, it's, it's, a, it's a group of names that you give to children um, who have lost, who lost, lose their mother mm-hmm. uh, when their mother is given back to them or who lose a grandmother or a mother figure around the time that they're born. So once you meet, meet somebody, you hear Yejude, you hear Yetunde, you hear Yetide, you have a sense of, oh, did your grandmother die like mm. a week before you were born? Yeah. Or did your mother die? And I think, I mean, for particularly for someone... I think it can be very whimsical for people who sort of lose a grandmother mm. or a great grandmother. It's a respect thing, like oh, you are the person who was returned, like mm-hmm. the grandmother left and then you came, you, you know. Yeah. But what happens when it's actually the child, you yeah. know, when it's actually your mother, and you have to carry this name mm. and it's part of your identity. So every time you introduce yourself, you're sort of it comes that. before you, you know, it, yeah. it goes ahead of you. Yeah, um, you're totally tied to this experience that was very tragic for you so yeah I was very particular about that and for the husband's name which was um, Akinele which meant um, bravery I think that, that was kind of a bit ironic yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he doesn't stand up to his family no <laughs> yeah um, and then of course with the children mm. um the, the last child's name, obviously, is the title of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is called Olamide, which is a very interesting name to me. It means, my wealth has come. There's just something so joyful yeah. about that name. and you know. Now, this book's been just a little bit successful. Mm. Was that terrifying? And amazing, obviously. <laughs> but I, was it a week after the book came out in the UK, mm. you were long-listed for the Women's Prize? I mean, <laughs> how was that? <laughs> oh my god! I, mean, I remember. I I think I 
got into London the day before the long list came out. Yeah. I just come in. I had an event that evening. It was the very first event out of a book. And I remember, um, I think Vicky was with me from Cannon Gate, and she was talking with some other people about the list, you know. I was just chatting about the... And I remember I was still paying attention, like... And I got back <laughs> to the place where I was staying, and I, you know... I went to bed and I thought, oh, maybe I should stay up till 12. And I'm like, you know, I'll see you tomorrow morning. Yeah. I was absolutely, you know, expecting it. And then I think around 6 a.m. I just realized my phone just kept vibrating. Yeah. I remember thinking, I'm like, shut up, what 6 a.m. Yeah. And then it kept moving. I thought, okay, what is wrong? Did something happen at yes. home? Is somebody really madly trying to reach me? And I remember the first thing, of course I did, which was, you know, what I used to do at the time was naturally picked up my phone instead of checking the text messages of course logged into twitter which you know is what one does first thing in the morning <laughs> priorities <laughs> yeah and i remember just seeing the baby's prizes now following i thought what what is going on that was my first clue like why is the baby's prize following me and then of course realized that my book was on the long list it was it was yeah. absolutely astonishing like, yeah. it was totally unexpected it still feels like a dream, even now. Like, yeah. did that really happen? It did really happen. I can attest that it did really, <laughs> really happen. And I was one hundred percent rooting for you. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And I mean, it's also a little bit terrifying. Well, because it's like, well, now I have to do it again, and I f- like you don't want to <laughs> peak too early. There. <laughs> You know, like, I don't know. I don't know how all the people sort of imagine their career mm. going. But, I mean, when I sort of imagine it, if I'm very honest about it, I thought I would write this book. Maybe 500 people would read it. And then I'd write the next one. Hopefully 400 of those 500 people <laughs> would still be interested in reading the next one. And maybe they'll tell their friends. So maybe we'll have like 1,000 people um, who are going to read it. And then maybe with the third one, you get shortlisted for something. Yeah. And then people start paying attention, <laughs> you know. I know with the first book, all of that sort of happens, and um, it's um, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. But I'm so glad that you're writing another one now, because yeah. um, I saw you earlier in the year, and you were like, no, I'm not writing, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. Because you were studying. Are you still studying now? No, no, You stopped no, it, okay. No. Um, so, can you tell us anything about what you're writing? <sighs> if you can't, don't worry. <laughs> So um, it's difficult for me to talk about. So, so right up until Stoke was published, and I sort of really had to think about how to talk about it. Yeah. When people ask me, so what's your book about? I say, you know, it's about a man and a woman, which was all I say. <laughs> like, you know, that's it. Um, so with this one, I, I think I've been, I've been saying, oh, it's about people. It's about people. Yeah, so that's where I am right now. It's a book about people. As in, it's about community? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Well, there you go. Okay, you have another one. It's about people and community. I will use this the next time. <laughs> Jen says it's about community. Jen hasn't read it, but she says it's about community. Do you have a deadline for it or a book deal or are you just seeing how it goes? I'm seeing how it goes. That sounds That's refreshing, actually. I really want to be. Yeah, yeah. no. Because I speak to you know authors who have... Um, or myself, I speak to myself, who have had one book and mm. then are 
feel the pressure and mm. etc. I think that I try to very deliberately not allow myself to be under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to take a step back from anything that reminds me of that. And um, what I really want to create in terms of a creative space for myself mm. is um, the place I was before my first novel got published, which yeah. was where I didn't even know if anybody was going to read it, so I could do anything I bloody wanted. You yeah, know? So so how, how do you convince yourself that that's where you're at? Because that seems like ultimate goal for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things I have done is stay off Twitter as much yeah. as I love it, mm-hmm. because literally every day somebody's talking to me about stay with me on Twitter, yeah. and I really appreciate it. But it's also, I mean, like, it can be terrifying. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you wrote the book because it was haunting you, but you would like it to rest in peace now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of. <laughs> and here you are doing a podcast talking about it. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I think I can do it now and then, but I can't do it every single day. You can't day. do it when you're trying to yeah, write. Yeah, I can't no, do I it that. every single day. So that that's one thing I try to do. Mm. Um yeah, that, that I think that so far was a good decision. Yeah. I mean, I missed it a lot, but I can really pretend that that book does not exist when mm-hmm. I'm working. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really, I really enjoy that feeling, that yeah. freedom. I'm just imagining you now as Yejidi <laughs> with extended family members around going, not where is your baby, but where is your book? Yeah. <laughs> where is it? Where is it? We're going to get you a ghostwriter so that they can do the book for you because you're not doing it. <laughs> oh my god. You're not doing this quickly enough. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's just a ghostwriter. We've got she it. Really we handle it. It's fine. We'll put your name on it. It's cool. <laughs> oh my goodness. But it's also kind of a good thing in one way. Uh-huh. Like, it's. I feel like I can do that because of this book. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can say, you know, what I'm not doing this because the book seems to be taking care of itself. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can sort of take a step back from it. Yeah. So it's, it's all grown up. Yeah, it kind of feels that way. Mm-hmm. Good for it. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end of every podcast, mm. I ask people to recommend a book that they have read recently mm. and loved. What have you read recently and loved? What have I read? I haven't finished it yet. I'm kind of halfway through it, mm-hmm. but it feels like it's. I, I really, I've enjoyed whatever it's so far. Um, mm-hmm. It's another called Freshwater. I don't think it's out in the Fresh UK water. yet. No. Um, it's called Freshwater. It's already out in Nigeria and in the US, mm-hmm. I think, um, by Akweke Imizi. It's a debut novel. Mm-hmm. And I think it's out in the UK next month. I really have enjoyed it. Okay, yeah. amazing. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's it. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Books with Jen. Thank you very much for listening. If you're new, please do subscribe. If you'd like to re- leave a review, that would be lovely. Um, and as I mentioned at the beginning, if you would like to support on Patreon, that would be amazing. You can find me at patreon.com forward slash Jen V Campbell. The next guest on the podcast will be Anna Marie Crowhurst. We'll be talking about her book, The Illumination of Ursula Flight. So until then, I hope you guys have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.